0: This is Secrets of the Unknown on Beyond the Airwaves, the Infinity Project.
1: and welcome to Beyond the Airways, the Infinity Project. I'm your host for tonight, Tokusatsu Tim. New name still forthcoming, I promise. And joining <laughs> me on the line are two of my crazy cohorts. First off, we have our Oddball Extreme. How you doing, my dear?
0: I'm fine, word.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, am a, I am as well. And we also have our AZ Magician. How you doing, darling?
2: I'm doing quite well, thank you Just drooling over some of the guests That are going to be at my local Comic Con in a couple of months
1: I hear there's some big names coming
3: Uh huh Yeah
1: Welcome everybody to uh, The second of our two new shows Debuting on Beyond the Airways The Infinity Project Uh, You might remember A few weeks ago we debuted the first of the two new shows Food Fascinations And tonight the opening sequence We are debuting the second of two My baby out of everybody And that is uh, Secrets of the Unknown Before we get into mm-hmm. the nitty gritty I um, just want to give you guys a bit of a background uh, On what the show's is about um, I have been interested in the paranormal For a number of years uh, Before I even was really As deep into tokusatsu as I am now uh, Primarily with ghosts and hauntings, and to at least a limited extent also with UFOs. Uh, lately, that's kind of branched out a little bit more into uh, urban legends and, and stuff like that. Pickers of the Unknown is a show about what its name suggests it's about, things that are unknown, or literally that which does not have a logical or rational explanation Mm This could include things like ghosts and hauntings, UFOs, urban legends, uh, conspiracy theories, anything that just does not have a definitive answer. And the biggest reason why I wanted to have a show about this is because I think it's important that we educate the people out there based on things that are going on. And encourage people to keep an open mind. I don't know, about, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat here. I don't know how many of you, uh, when you were younger, your parents probably told you uh, not to be afraid of the dark because ghosts aren't real. The boogeyman is not going to jump out of the closet and get you, stuff like that. Admittedly, a lot of that is because they don't want you to be afraid of the dark and they want you to be able to go to sleep. Now, are ghosts real? If you ask me, I'm going to say yes. If you ask Mm -hmm. somebody else, they may say no. Really, when you think about it, there's no concrete evidence one way or the other. You know, if you come across a piece of evidence, depending on where it's at, what it's at, the circumstances under which it was captured, you might have a situation where it could potentially be debunked. And you may have a situation where, okay, I don't know what this is, but there's clearly something there. So I can't say it doesn't exist because something made that.
2: Something made that weird sound in the attic, and it wasn't raccoons.
1: Exactly. So while I'm sure a lot of you listeners might not share my opinions on things, um, all I ask of you as we go into the show is, is that you keep an open mind. Remember that for the topics that we'll be discussing on this show, there is no definitive answer. We cannot say, yes, this is real, or no, this is not. The closest thing I can think of that we may have to a definitive answer is a topic I want to have on a future episode of Secrets of the Unknown about the Amityville Horror. That is not the topic Ah. tonight, though. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, for a future episode, we will take a look at the Amityville Horror, and we will look at why people say it's real, and we will look at why people say it's fake, Mm -hmm. and we'll leave the the ultimate decision up to all of you out there to make up your own conclusion about what's real and what's not, because I believe there is only one person alive who can probably still say definitively whether anything... That happened is real or not real right and whether his, his credibility is such based on my own research I'm not sure whether I can actually believe him or not but that's the topic for another time uh, the bulk of our shows content initially will be based around ghosts and hauntings largely because that's where we're going to have the bulk of the evidence to go over I should uh, caution all of you we are not ghost hunters ourselves we're going to be looking mm-hmm. at evidence that somebody else captured. Right. And then we're going to take a look at it, and then we're going to form our own opinions based on the information that was presented to us. But before we get into our first and probably only one for tonight, because we may not go the whole hour tonight. We'll see how it goes. i have some some time at the end open for other stuff that we do here on the on the Airways, just in case. I do want to go over some basic terminology with, with you guys, because... I know some of this is going to be foreign to you, and as somebody that's looked into this, followed this somewhat religiously, I'm more comfortable with understanding the terminology, but I understand you guys may not know the terminology as well as I do. So I would like to go ahead and just start off by defining some of the terminology that you'll hear being used as we discuss some of the cases, some of the properties, so you can get a better idea of what's going on. Now, I... Mm-hmm. You do not uh, have the chat room open, obviously, because I need to be focused on uh, the several different web pages I have pulled open. Uh, so, Shirley, if you could uh, share some links for me in the chat room, that would be wonderful. I don't know if there's even anybody in there right now. Is there anybody in there right now? Shirley? Yes. Shirley.
2: Is there oh, well, anyone well. in the chat room right now?
0: Let's see. No. Is there nope. anyone in the chat?
1: Okay. No. Nope. Okay, well, I guess if somebody shows up, we'll, we'll gladly uh, send the links along later. Now, I'm not going to go nope. through these terms in, in, uh, in you know, any particular Well, I'm just going to go through them in alphabetical order, just some of the more critical ones. Uh, we could be here all night if we wanted to go over as many as I'd like to. And yeah. then some of the other ones I'll probably save for when they come up. Don't feel bad if you don't fully understand after the first couple of episodes what well, some of the stuff means, you'll figure it out in time. I did. So, um, like I said, without further ado, I'm just going to go down these in, in alphabetical order. Uh, one term that's going to be used a lot, especially when we look at evidence put forth by Ghost Adventures, is the word anomaly. An anomaly is something that is out of place and unexplained. In our case, it would refer to any phenomena that cannot be reasonably explained. For example, if we have a picture with a lens flare in it, that would not be an anomaly, but it could be an orb. But an orb that we cannot explain would be. So if you're taking a picture of yourself putting flowers on the gravesite of a loved one, and somebody else takes your picture for you, we hope with your consent, and you might see little balls of light floating around that you didn't see him with your own eyes, but the camera obviously caught something, that would be an anomaly because there's no explanation for it.
3: But there was a- if the
1: camera has a flash and the reverberation of that flash was captured in the picture, uh, well, we know what that was, so that would not be an anomaly by any means. Uh, another one is going to be, is uh, another term that's going to be used from time to time is an apparition. Now, this one, I want to go into a little bit more in depth about what that is, because depending on circumstances, this could come in one or more possible forms. Put simply, an apparition is the appearance of a ghost or spirit, usually in the form of a visual image of a deceased person, either in life or on film. However, it's also worth noting that apparitions can be based on each of the senses. Example of this might be a visual apparition that is something that looks like a person who may be the person's spirit when they were alive.
2: Um, um, the, the um, Civil War Memorial that the, I saw something about that. And it's supposed to be really haunted,
3: mm-hmm. and, you and,
2: and, know, by why? Civil War soldiers.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Civil War is the bloodiest war in American history because uh-huh. everybody on both sides was American. Um, another example, might be, they could also be auditory. That is the sounds of walking. You might hear people talking, but you don't see anybody. Mm-hmm. You might see doors opening seemingly on their own. And, and another common type is battle. And to understand what a a battle would be, would be like if you go to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where they fought one of the bigger battles of the Civil War. Even to this day, you can still hear cannons being fired, even though there are no cannons anywhere. That would be an auditory apparition. Another one, uh, and I don't know how often this comes up, because I have not seen it happen much recently, but that's not to say it couldn't happen is old factory, olfactory,
2: O-L-F-A-C-T-O-R-Y. In other words, uh, you smell the – you smell – what was it? I can't remember if it was like your mo- – I'm just using this as an example. Your mom passes away, but you and she loved rose-scented perfume.
1: And, and every time you go near certain near things that she owned or loved in life – you always smell that. No, that
2: perfume, even though it's been in mothballs for years.
1: Exactly, that would be an example of an olfactory apparition. And then another one would be uh, tactile. That is, you feel like a, sli- a slight wind in a room that's completely closed off, or a tug on your clothing when there's nobody anywhere near you that could possibly do would it. Would this
2: count as a tactile? A tactile apparition? It wasn't too long after my boyfriend passed away, and I was kind of grieving in bed, you know, laying on the bed, and I felt something go sit down on the edge of my bed, and I look around, and nothing's there. Because you know how a mattress goes down when somebody sits on the edge of the bed? hmm Would that be considered a sensory apparition?
1: I would say, in, in my own opinion, yes, because... You know, when you sit on like your bed and you gets pushed down, if you're the only one in the room and you're seeing it, then you're not seeing it underneath yourself. So something with some kind of weight had to have pushed down on that bed. You didn't see it, but you saw the imprint. I felt it.
2: I felt it.
1: And you, yeah, you can mm-hmm. feel it too. That yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Absolutely, would agree with that.
0: Yeah, it's like um. What uh what Chester was around and we we have this mantle over the fireplace and it's got you know a lot of you got a couple of old pictures of my dad and such and ever so often Chester would just start barking out of nowhere at that um at the mantle it's like I wonder if dad's because I mean, I'm thinking what if he knows dad's around or something that's uh, a <laughs> it could
1: be. It, mm-hmm. could be it could be that that Dogs, I would believe that, especially more than anything, because they tend to be really tight knit emotionally with their owners.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: they can detect things that, that humans cannot because of their familiarity. Uh, the next term, I, it probably really doesn't need a definition, but just to elaborate on it a little bit, is a demon, uh, which is uh, mm-hmm. an a deity spoken of in religious texts as being purely evil Uh, these are ones that are bent on causing confusion destruction Uh, they may try to possess somebody they're basically no good basically they are full of hate they are full of evil or uh, the term I prefer to use in lieu of all the above is negative energy because that's just Kind of like the pink
2: slime in Ghostbusters too. That was a citywide bunch of them. Um...
1: Very similar to that, yes, I would say. Uh, the next one, to some degree, could be well. I've never seen it formally referred to it as such, but I can see where it has some similarities to a demon. Is a doppelganger. Basically, mm-hmm. a doppelganger is a ghost of the present that looks identical to a living person but behaves differently. Uh, You'll see this mentioned not so much anymore, at least from the places I've read about research, not to say it couldn't happen. The one place I know of where a doppelganger has reportedly been seen is at uh, Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville, Kentucky. And I can pretty much guarantee that will be a subject of a future episode as well, or part of an episode. Mm. Maybe one of two or three places we do in, in an individual episode. Uh, Tonight, we're only going to look at one, but future episodes may have two or three places that we look at. And I do know Waverly Hills is one that I tend to take a look at with everybody. But basically, in a nutshell, uh, what happened was uh, somebody was on the third floor working when another person was up on the fifth floor and they claimed they saw them and interacted with them but the person was actually two floors below them at the the time that interaction occurred. That would be a doppelganger. The next term is is shifting away from spirits and stuff to kind of the the more technological aspects of ghost hunting is uh, an EMF, or simply electromagnetic field. Some places might use it to represent electromagnetic frequency. But what DMF what is, is a combination of electrical and magnetic fields. Where can you find something like this? Well, around any source of power, a fuse box, an electrical outlet, a computer monitor, microwave ovens. Uh, hmm. If you can't explain a sudden increase or decrease in an electromagnetic field, you may have something paranormal going on. And a lot of times, groups will use um, an EMF meter to to measure the electromagnetic field. So you might see something that may hang around zero and then shoot up by a significant amount faster than you can snap your fingers. That might be an indication that something abnormal is going on here. Uh, Another popular one, and we'll We'll actually be going over some of these tonight i don't i don't have audio recordings of them much though i wish i did i've been busy with my new job so i haven't had a chance to track down actual audio versions of them are uh EDPs, or electronic voice phenomenon what this basically is is a voice or sound from beyond that is captured and recorded either on magnetic tape or a digital recording device The way one would capture an EVP, if you were in a haunted location, and I would probably prefer to use a digital recorder myself, would be to hit record and then just start asking questions and then pause for a minute or two in between questions. Then when you're done, rewind the tape and play it back. If you hear anything between the end of your question and the start of the next question, you might have captured a spirit voice or EVP. And... EVPs, as you know, can be real crystal clear, which would be called a Class A EVP, or they may be just a bunch of stuttering and nobody can make out what what it says. But you can tell that someone or something is speaking. Ah, uh, oh, let's see. I'm doing a lot of duplicate duplicate terms on this list here. Um. I found a really good list of terms here. I'm going to put the, the link in the Facebook
3: chat. In All right. case anybody wants to look over some,
1: some of this more later, I said this is, a, this is actually better than the one I've had, I found last week. Um,
0: Sorry, that was mine. I didn't do it. <laughs> it okay, was so me. We,
1: we use the, I use the term haunting um, a few times already. Uh, and I probably don't have to define this one either, but a haunting is a repeated appearance of phenomena that's commonly associated with ghosts, spirits, or poltergeists. Usually a combination of cold spots, apparitions, missing objects, and other such activity that can be witnessed by multiple people over an extended period of time would be classified as a haunting. Uh, That said, some hauntings that have been claimed have been hoaxes. That is something that's been staged or planned to give the impression that something paranormal has happened, when in fact it has not.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Believe me folks, you you do people that do research on this stuff pretty bad when you claim that something happened that didn't really actually happen. (sighs) Another term I wanna highlight is a medium. A medium is a person who channels a spirit or through whom a spirit or entity can communicate with the living. This has not been proven to be doable or not doable. Uh, one, one famous person that was uh, claimed to be a medium was uh, Sylvia Brown.
2: Oh, yeah, I remember her. She, yeah,
1: she passed away a few years ago, but she was supposedly a psychic and a medium who worked with police departments on unsolved cases and she was pretty good at first, but toward the end she was way off and I think she lost a lot of her credibility. Uh, one that I tend to trust a little bit more would be Chip Coffee, who has never been, uh, has never really been debunked other than people claim that that he knows more than he's letting on about and that Everything I've read has been, he said, she said, and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't completely believe half of that. Another term that comes up a lot are orbs. Now, we kind of uh, talked to some degree about it being the, you know, the orb of light that are anomalies in pictures. Orbs are translucent spheres of light that hover above the ground and dart erratically through the air. Oftentimes, I've seen in investigations on ghost adventures and other such shows where they'll feel like something has happened and they have the camera rolling and you see little orbs of light just shoot out of a person or shoot into a person. This would be indicative of a spirit attempting to communicate with somebody. Uh, Let's see here. I don't want really to spend too much time going over some of these because uh, I want to get to the, the our first location, which I know everybody's going to be thrilled about. Um, just gonna do a quick run through here. We'll be going over some more terms later on. Uh, oh, one I want to highlight because you may hear the term from time to time. We probably won't see it very much, but something worth putting out there is the concept of a residual haunting. Uh, I have briefed my colleagues here in the studio on what a residual haunting is uh, earlier during a dry run for the show. Uh, But I found an even better definition, and I want to share it with everybody. A residual haunting is the playback of a past event trapped in a continuous loop. Uh, Residual hauntings are often associated with past events that have involved a great deal of trauma and tragedy. For example, you might see a person... Or hear them performing a repetitive action, such as walking down a flight of stairs, crossing through a garden, screaming in agony at the same time or place and by many different people at different times. Thus, so giving the impression, as I, as I told the two of you last, uh, last week, that this is something forever trapped in time, destined to forever repeat itself. You cannot interact with it. It cannot interact with you. But it's still a haunting. And um, that one would go well with Poltergeist, which I'm skipping the definition over that one. That was basically like a... It means noisy ghost, basically. Uh, they generally... Around uh, an individual where objects will disappear. They'll be thrown about. They'll be moved around. And so like there's mischievous entities basically um i don't i don't like that definition uh there is one that will be uh, another device that will be mentioned a lot is a spirit box a spirit box is a device used for contacting spirits through the use of radio frequency Uh, basically, and and Ghost Adventures use one, it's called the SB7 Spirit Box. What it does is it rapidly scans through multiple wavelengths of noise to capture any uh, EVPs or attempted EVPs from a ghost, and it blurts it out like like it's talking to you. And I don't uh, have a specific example on hand, although I'm aware of at least one, I'd have to go dig around and find it, where a uh, spirit was able to communicate a full sentence to an investigator through the use of the spirit box. I, I believe I know where it's at. I'll, I'll see if I can find it for when we talk about that property and highlight it there. But it basically scans rapidly. It doesn't stay on any wavelength for any real length of time. And I think a lot of the rest of these are, I think the only other one that I'm really going to spend any time uh, defining is white noise. I don't think we'll come across that term too often, but I think it's it's important enough to mention white noise. That's an acoustical or electrical noise of which the intensity is the same at all frequencies within a given band. Oftentimes, if you're looking to communicate with a spirit, it will be easiest to do so through white noise. And that's a basic rundown of some of the terminology we'll use. We'll be using a lot more terminology. We'll give some of these a bit more context as we start looking into properties. But I want you to go into the discussion with at least a basic understanding of what we're talking about. And with that said, let's go on to the meat of tonight's episode. We're going to talk about our first hunting. Yes, we are going to the city of Belisca, Iowa. I believe, and I have to look this I believe that's in Southwest Iowa. If anybody can confirm that for me. I believe that's in Southwest Iowa. And basically the gist of this is there were eight people murdered brutally in the home during the overnight hours. The murderer was never caught. And since then, the house has been extremely haunted but uh, before we get into the haunting, let me give you a recap of exactly what happened. Now, if you are put off or offended by violence or descriptions of violence, you may want to cover your ears for the next few minutes.
0: Okay, hold on, hold Uh, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Uh,
1: uh... Yes?
2: We're waiting, Shirley. Uh-oh. Oh,
0: I need it for something. Can you guys go on? I'll be right back.
2: All right. Perfect timing. But anyway,
1: yeah. I'll I'll wait to go into that till she's able to return for so that. Okay, way- what's
2: the name of the place that you were looking for? The name of the place what part of Iowa it was in?
1: Belisca B I L L C A V
2: I L L I S C A, yep. It's in Montgomery County.
1: Yep, 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 I was right. Southwest Iowa.
2: And and seven years ago, the population was only one thousand two hundred and fifty-two at the two thousand and ten census. So
1: we're talking just a small village. So probably a city where I don't know about back then, but today most people probably know everybody else.
2: Uh huh. It's one of those type of towns where everybody knows your name.
1: And we're not talking about cheers here. Although
2: that, 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 that's probably all for the case. Ooh. $428 to stay in the house.
1: Mm-hmm. The, and
2: the day tour is open up in April.
0: Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that.
2: Okay. Hey,
1: welcome back. Okay.
0: I found oh, out geez.
2: that Velisca was in Montgomery County.
1: Oh, oh Iowa. Iowa, as I Yeah, I, 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 didn't
2: think it was.
1: I don't think there's any. any and
2: there's a Montgomery County in Texas too, so that could get a little confusing.
1: Anyway, the the, the story behind uh, the events happened sometime between the evening of June ninth, nineteen twelve, and the early morning hours of June tenth, in the town of Beliska in southwestern Iowa. Now, I don't know about back in 1912, but today it's a city of about 1,200 people, so... That was years uh, seven
2: years then. ago with the yeah, 2010 census. So, so
1: back in 1912, this might well have been a city where most people probably knew everybody else. Mm-hmm. But basically what happens is this. It's a tale of the Moore family, which consists of parents Josiah and Sarah and their four children, Herman, Mary Catherine... Arthur and Arthur Boyd and Paul Vernon Uh, the family was well known and well liked within the community which I think for just about anybody else that would be a good thing on the 9th of June uh, Mary Catherine invited two neighborhood girls Ina May and Lena Gertrude Stillinger to spend the night at their residence Uh, that evening the family and the two visiting girls attended the Presbyterian church And after the program ended at about 9.30, uh, they walked back home and arrived between 9.45 and 10 p.m. That's when tragedy struck the family. Um, Let's see here. The following morning at about 5 o'clock in the morning, the Moore's next-door neighbor, Mary Peckham, stepped into her yard to put laundry up. Uh, About two hours later, she realized that not only had the moors not been outside, nor had they begun doing their chores, but that the house seemed unusually still. Sometime within the next hour, she approached the house and knocked on the door, but got no response, and she attempted to open it, only to find that it had been locked from the inside. After letting out their chickens, she called uh, Josiah's brother, Ross which set into place one of the most mismanaged murder investigations ever to be undertaken based on the testimony of, her, of Mary and those who saw them at the exercise it's believed that sometime between midnight and 5 a.m. an unknown assailant entered the Josiah's home and brutally murdered all occupants of the house with an axe literally speaking we're talking an axe to the back of the head ouch
2: What Uh, a single shot. Lizzie Borden. That sounds like
1: similar. Uh, when Ross arrived at the home, he attempted to look in a bedroom window and then knocked on the door and yelled. Uh, but that also failed. He turned out, he had a key to the door and although, uh, Mary had followed him onto the porch when he entered, she stayed outside, but he stepped foot in the room. Uh, and then went up to the bedroom and opened the bedroom door. He saw two bodies on the bed and dark stains on the bedclothes. He returned immediately to the porch and told Mary to call the sheriff. And that's when they discovered everybody's bodies. The the two bodies in the downstairs room were the two visiting girls. Uh, The remaining members of the family were found in the upstairs bedrooms by the city marshal who arrived shortly thereafter everybody had been brutally murdered with their skulls crushed as they slept. Sound familiar?
3: Mm-hmm. So,
1: so once, once everybody had been discovered as having been murdered, the news traveled quickly throughout the town. And, and imagine it, 1200 people today, I don't know what it would have been in 1912, but news is gonna spread pretty quickly. Uh, neighbors and uh, curious onlookers converged on the house. Law enforcement lost control of the crime scene, which is never a good thing if you're investigating a murder. Uh, with reports that up to 100 people went through the house gawking at the body before the National Guard finally arrived around noon to cordon off the area and secure the home. But here's what we know about the crime scene. Eight people had been bludgeoned to death, presumably with an axe that was left at the crime scene. And it appeared all of them had been asleep at the time of the murders, which kind of fascinates me to some extent because if I'm going to whack somebody in the back of the head with an axe, how does everybody else sleep through something like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, surely somebody well, would have woken up, wouldn't you think?
2: Well, yeah. it depends on how sound a sleeper they were. You've got people like me and Shirley that can wake up at the least little noise. And then you have other people that could see sleep through world war three. Doctors
1: doctors estimated the time of deaths as being shortly after midnight. So now we went from being between 12 and a.m. and 5 a.m. to closer to 12 a.m. Curtains were drawn on all the windows in the house, except for two, which didn't have curtains. Those windows were covered with clothing belonging to the family. Now, whether they did it or whether the perpetrator did it, I don't know. All of the victims' faces were covered with bedclothes after they were killed.
3: A kerosene
1: lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah. The chimney was off, and the wick had been turned back. The chimney was found under the dresser. I don't know what that... That doesn't sound like that's worth correctly, but and I've taken this list off the official site for the house, by the way. Uh, if you uh, mm-hmm. want to see the link with the, more of the details, I'll put that here in the Facebook chat. It goes more in, in, in depth. Of, I, I'm reading from this, but there's parts of this I'm skipping over also. Okay. Um, a similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger girls, and the chimney was also off. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to skip over some. Uh, now, here's something that, that's interesting. Um, the bodies of Lena and Ina Stillinger were found in the downstairs bedroom off the parlor. Ina was sleeping closest to the wall with Lena on her right side. A gray coat covered her face. Nina, according to the inquest testimony of Dr. F.S. Williams, lay as though she had kicked one foot out of her bed sideways with one hand up under the pillow on her right side, half sideways, not clear over, but just a little. Apparently she had been struck in the head and squirmed down in the bed perhaps one-third of the way. I'm not going to finish that paragraph for obvious reasons if you're looking at the page, but... Feel
3: free to indulge yourself if, if
0: you'd like. Uh, yeah, oh, by the way, before you oh, on, Tim, before you go on, uh, Ashley's in the chat room.
1: Hey, Ashley. Hi,
2: Ashley.
0: Hello, uh, Ashley. Could
1: you happen to share these two links uh, in the chat room? Sure. So she can look over the terminology and, and let sure. and, uh, actually, uh, the, the link with the terminology, don't feel like you have to remember it right now. We'll be going over the some okay. of these again as they as they come up in, in discussions. Uh, the second okay. link, balliscaiowa.com, uh, this is the one that we're talking about right now. Uh, about the And I just put it lives, in there. Known, yeah, this is the family that lives in what's now known as the Ballisca Axe Murder House. And that's what we're discussing right now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the next point I find rather interesting in light of what I know about the investigation. Uh, Dr. Lindquist, the coroner, reported a slab of bacon on the floor in the downstairs bedroom lying near the axe. Weighing nearly two pounds and wrapped in what he thought may be a dish towel. They found another one in the icebox that's about the same size. Now, given what I know about the murders and, and about the online, like, a slab of bacon on the floor? Hmm. I can't. I, I can't figure that out. Uh, it's worth noting, and, and I don't see it mentioned on here, and uh, you think for an official site it would be this, that uh, the murder was never fought, given that we're looking at about 105, almost 105 years later. Safe to say whoever did it's probably dead now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: They had a number of different uh, suspects emerge over who they thought did it. Something I'm about to mention in a couple minutes here is going to really stand out. But first, let's talk about who, who were the suspects. Who, who did they think killed these people? Uh, the first uh, one is a man named Andrew Sawyer. Uh, no real evidence linked him to the crime, but his, ni- his name came up in the, in the grand jury testimonies uh, to the I never actually read this myself. I don't want What I'm reading, and, and I'm reading this part off of Wikipedia because it's got a better list than anything I've seen. It says that mm-hmm. Andrew Sawyer reportedly purchased a newspaper and went off by himself to read it, with the front page having an account of the Valeska murders, and said that Sawyer was very interested in it. Hmm. Apparently, he had been in, in Beliska that night and had heard of the murders. But he mm-hmm. left because he was afraid of being considered a suspect. Hmm. Uh, he also had an axe he slept with next to him. I, I can see why they might think he's a suspect if, if they have that information on him. Yep. Another one, another person that was suspected is Reverend George Kelly, an English-born minister in the town on the night of the murders. He was uh, uh, peculiar having suffered a mental breakdown as an adolescent, but as an adult was accused of peeping and several times asking young women and girls to pose nude for him. I suppose that might be one reason to suspect he might be guilty of it. On June 8th, he had come to teach us the services, which the Moore family had attended and left town between 5 and 530 AM on the 10th, just hours before the bodies were discovered. I wonder if that's a coincidence or if that could point to something. Hmm. In the weeks that followed, he displayed a fascination with the case and wrote many letters to the police investigators and family. Which aroused suspicion, and a private investigator wrote back asking for details that the minister might know about the murders. He replied with great detail, claiming to have heard sounds and possibly even having I mean, witnessed the murders. But the known mental illness made authorities question whether he really knew anything, because of either having committed it or if he just making it up. And you have to admit, if you got a mental illness. I don't know if you can completely trust anything that he says, because for all you know, he could just be making it all up. And I'm not going to go into detail about the other two, three, the other four suspects listed here, because I want to get onto the evidence, but they also had a man Mm -hmm. named Frank Fernando Jones. Um, I guess he was an Iowa state Senator for whom Josiah had worked. And, uh, Josiah had took business away from him, and so he it, it, it believed that uh, Josiah had, had a sexual affair with his daughter-in-law, although there hasn't been any evidence to support that theory. And another one, uh, William Mansfield, is another suspect that was believed that was hired by Senator Jones to murder the family, and it's believed that he was a serial killer because of who all he's killed after the liska crimes had actually taken place so i could see where they might think well if he killed them why couldn't he have killed the moors too Food for thought and then uh, they also thought sam moyer josiah's brother-in-law who had often threatened to kill josiah might be guilty but his alibi later cleared him of the crime and then the last one is is, uh, henry lee moore who was of no relation to the moore family that had been murdered And he was a suspected serial killer that was convicted of the murder of his mother and grandmother several months after, again, with an axe and choice, the timing. Again, if he killed them, could he have killed the Moore family also.
3: At the end of the day,
1: they never did figure out who did it. And here we are 105 years later, and whoever it was that did it apparently got away with it, and is probably dead now. But uh, it's kind of intriguing about the way it was handled because they probably could have found who did it and brought them to justice. But with so many people running around and gawking at the house and coming by the house, any evidence they would have had may very well have been contaminated with. So we'll never know, ultimately. Suffice to say, though, there would be a lot of negative energy inside the house after eight people getting murdered with an axe. And families that have lived in the house since then have reported a lot of things happening and ghost adventures actually investigated the Villisca Axe uh, murder house during the 13th episode of season four, having originally aired December 10th of 2010. There are a couple pieces of evidence that they, that they collected that I I find very, very fascinating. Uh, but, um, they, they captured some really interesting EVPs which included some spirits saying where is she uh, another one says they're around upstairs which remember the Moore family slept upstairs uh, the most compelling EVP and this was a Class A EVP when they caught it on, on digital recorder When they first played it back, they heard, I killed something, something. They they heard the voice talking, but they didn't hear what was said. And they called in uh, a local expert on the Velisca Axe murder house, as well as another paranormal investigator. And they played the tape back for the two of them, see if they could figure out what the EVP was saying. And they ended up playing it twice before discovering what the voice was actually saying was, and I quote, I killed six kids. Now think about that for a minute. You're you're, you're connecting an investigation. You're asking questions of whatever spirits may reside within the house. And not only are you getting interesting answers, it basically admits, I killed six kids. Isn't that kind of creepy?
2: it's weird
3: hmm.
1: but the most compelling thing besides that that they, they captured is something they captured using the SB 7 spirit box now remember I mentioned earlier that the SB 7 spirit box rapidly scans through multiple wavelengths to to try to, to pick up on any kind of attempted communication and Zach Bagans the lead investigator Asked a very simple question, probably not expecting to get an answer, but you never know if you don't ask.
3: Bitch he he asked
1: after having seen signs that uh, the spirits were active. He said, "What is the murderer's name?" Probably full knowing that they never caught the person. You know what? You know what the response was. Andy. Now, didn't I mention a suspect named Andy just a moment ago?
2: Yes, you did. Hmm.
1: I wonder if, if that might be his spirit saying that he was the one who did it. And what I find interesting is that I'm looking through the list of, of EDPs they captured there. It also mentions in here that Andy has said, I will cut all your Godbeep heads off and at the same time he made very uh, vicious striking motions and that's confirmed on the wikipedia article that uh, uh, uh let's see uh thomas dyer is a bridge foreman and pile driver for the burlington railroad and he testified to the to the sheriffs that prior to their arrival he walked up behind andrew sawyer who was rubbing his head with both hands and suddenly jumped up and said to himself, I will cut your God beep heads off. And that beep is mine, not not, not the show. That's mine. I choose to censor just because. And at the same time, he made striking motions with the axe and began hitting the piles in front of him. Now let's go back to Zach's question again. What is the murderer's name? And it said Andy. Could the spirit Hmm. in the house be
3: Andy's spirit confessing to the crime? Or could it
0: be, or could it possibly be the spirit of one of the moors
3: telling Zach that it was Andy that had killed them? Hmm. Um,
1: they also heard a number of residual noises throughout the house during the investigation, including creaking footsteps laughing very well could be the girls having fun. Um, they captured footsteps, uh, approaching a door that slammed shut using motion activated cameras, as well as a dark mist that appeared to follow Nick Groff out of a room in the house. They interviewed a lady that grew up in the house and I don't have it. This is going off in my memory. Cause I don't see anything about this on anywhere on the pages I have pulled up for the show. Uh, she said she grew up in the house and, uh, She was aware of a lot of the things that were going on in the house, and it made her feel very uneasy in the house. When I see them capturing EVPs saying, I killed six kids, and uh, other ones like, uh, Herman's going to get you, or we're going to keep them in the dark, which are also EVPs that were captured. I I suppose I'd be a little uneasy about that, too. And they brought her into the house, to serve as a trigger object. Here's one of my uh, uh, definitions outside of reading a list of terminology. A trigger object is something that is connected to or related to uh, the events that caused the investigation to happen in the hopes that it would spur activity. For example, if you are investigating what is believed to be the spirit of somebody who loved to collect antique guns, for instance, If you have an old gun, and uh, one would assume you would not have any bullets in it uh, or that it's not capable of being fired anymore. And you brought that gun with you, the spirit might notice the gun and because of its interest might be drawn to put forth, you know, it it might decide to manifest in front of you or communicate with you or because you've attracted its attention. That's what a trigger object basically does. And in this case, I think they brought, and again, I don't remember the lady's name either. I think they brought her there to be a trigger object, to bring out whatever negative force was in the house in an attempt to get it to communicate with them. And this this, this is vicious stuff. You know, two adults, six kids. Two of them didn't Mm -hmm. even live there. All murdered Mm -hmm. in cold blood. And I, I can't believe that well, I can't—I guess—believe that that negative emotion is hanging around in there, and that's why people get really uneasy about it. Mm-hmm. So that—all that said, had these murders been committed today most likely law enforcement would have easily solved the crime and brought the murderer to justice. But seeing as it's 105 years later, it's going to remain a mystery, and it probably always will. Like I said, you know, the spirits say it was Andy. You have no proof of that, and no court of uh, law in the United States is going to take the word of a ghost.
0: That's so true. If
1: have, so if you don't have concrete proof, Nothing you can do about it. Odds are, if Andy were the guilty party, he's probably dead by now. Yeah. Uh, Likely that uh, their gruesome secret has been buried with them. And in in hindsight, it's easy to blame the officials because there was considerable gross mismanagement of whatever evidence they may have had. But we also have to remember that in 1912, things like... Fingerprinting were fairly new. DNA testing did not exist. Um, They did have a local druggist have the forethought to attempt to enter the scene with his camera, but he was thrown out. Hmm. So it's quite probable that even if the crime scene had been secure, the evidence may not have provided any real clues. There was no central database of fingerprints, so even if they'd managed to get any, what would you have compared it to? They would have had to have apprehended the criminal to do a comparison, and by that point, you've already got it. So, Prince may either have convicted or cleared any of the of these uh, suspects. The only one that was suspected of masterminding the plot was Senator Jones, and because said so that he had hired that, that killer to kill the family. So, I the way mm-hmm. I see it. Uh, the Villisca axe murders are going to remain a mystery till the end of time, because even if we could figure out who did it, they're long dead now.
3: Right. Ultimately,
1: a family of six and two neighborhood girls lost their lives, and we may never fully understand why that happened. Yep. And, and that's basically that for our first property. Yep. Anybody have
0: any questions? Oh, no, no, we're kidding. No, I I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's 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 sad what happened there, but it's always haunting. It's like, nobody, it's like, we'll never know who really did it.
1: And and I I think, I think the EDP that said, I killed six kids. And yes, those pauses were part of it.
3: Mm -hmm. It
1: It's a remarkable piece of evidence in and of itself. It's almost like the spirit, whoever it is, and the identity of the spirit was never determined, may have felt guilt or remorse for committing the act. Kind of like, well, I went in there and I just started killing, but I I didn't realize that I killed six kids.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: There were six kids and two adults. Maybe they only intended to the adults and they just got the kids by mistake or something like that. I, I don't know we may never know.
2: or are the kids were killed because if they left them alive there could have been witnesses
1: true That's also possible you know-hmm but, yeah, but, I, I, but I, I, I think that the, the way the makes it sound like they didn't they couldn't believe that they had killed six kids because it was questioning in nature
3: mm-hmm but
1: Again, ultimately, who did it? We may never know, and it may no longer matter. Because whoever did it is, probably dead now. Yeah. But I hope you, I hope you enjoyed our first investigation into the the axe murder house. And, you know, as time passes, you know, and again, the secrets of the unknown will probably alternate to some degree with food fascinations. We may sometimes take a week off of both shows just so we have some time to gather, you know, information to share with you. But uh, mm-hmm. it's my hope that in, in future episodes we can try to do two or three properties per episode. Uh, some of the more notorious ones, like the Amityville Horror, may be a show by itself. Just because oh, right. of all the information at hand, all the conspiracy
3: theories.
2: I have got to research, research that um, Hotel and Oatman... Cause I think Clark Gable and had a room there, and that and his room is supposed to be haunted. Hmm. the room there is supposed to be haunted
1: hmm.
2: interesting
0: yeah yeah, well, guess what we made it through the whole show
2: <laughs> jeez it made it through
1: the, it it
2: through the yeah, whole show.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, but yeah, but two and a half minutes left. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I hope you guys learned something. And like I said, I, you know, we're not here to the show to change your mind or change your beliefs. All we ask is that you remain open to the possibilities that lay before you. You know, if you heard, you know, that some of the stuff going on, and yet your folks told you
3: well, ghosts aren't
1: real; they don't exist. Well then I would ask you, okay, but if not ghosts, then what? Because right. obviously EVPs were captured, something made those sounds. If it wasn't a ghost, what was it? And I hope you enjoy the show. Like I said, you know, we're not here to change your beliefs. We're just here to, to share this information with you and all we ask is that you keep an open mind.
2: Exactly. Just like with UFOs, you know. It would be awfully strange if we were the only planet with intelligent life, although you have to think given, the, right, yeah. given yeah. the current state that we're going through right now, I'm not sure how, how, how intelligent half the people are. Yeah. <laughs> and, how easy, and how easy it
1: would be to confuse a UFO with a jet airplane or something of that nature.
2: Right. Yeah, um, when we had the Phoenix Lights here, I believe it was in 94. I won't swear mm-hmm. to it because I can't quite remember the year. The Air Force was trying to pass it off as weather balloons or this or that. Yeah. But I saw footage of the flight and there's no goddamn way it was there a weather balloon. Yeah.
1: Well,
2: we made, well we anyway, made, I had They may do
3: a, a future show on that subject, Jim. hmm. But that
1: surely uh, yeah. had the 90 second signal.
0: Yes, I've had the dining down to 60 now, so we're down about maybe 37 seconds, but that's okay. We can run just a little over time. Yeah, sure thing. But anyway, I just want to say yeah, I just want to say a couple things real quick. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on our website, beyondtheairwaves.weebly.com. If you ever miss an episode, there are three ways to catch up. First, there's the Stitcher.com app available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle Store. Second, you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from blogtalkradio.com. You can do a podcast search for Beyond the Airwaves, and you will find all of our shows there. So with that in mind, I'm going to say love, peace, and chicken grease. Everybody have a good night, and we will see you tomorrow night for the Thursday Free-for-All. All right, that's it for tonight. Everybody sleep well. Uh, everybody in severe weather areas, please be careful tonight. All right, because there is there are some tornado watches that are going on overnight. So, with that in mind, sleep well. Take it easy. We'll see you tomorrow. Night, y'all. Uh, take night care, y'all. everybody. know I, I, no. I
1: will be. I will be there tomorrow.
0: Okay. Looking all right. Forward to it. So night, salute, y'all. Everybody. Good night.
3: Yeah.